aboard the struggle bus. You got problems just like us. Climb aboard the struggle bus. Let Kate and Sally help you. Welcome to the struggle bus. I'm Kate. I'm Sally. And we're here to fix your lives. That said, we are two people whose only qualifications to give you advice are that we have lots of feelings and lots of opinions. Neither of which are a substitute for professional guidance. Sally. Good morning, Catherine. Sally is bundled up in her office. Bundled up and holding myself in a ball because I'm freezing (laughs) because heat isn't free, even though it should be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, fair enough. Well, hey, listen, do you have thoughts about that? I do too. But you can also tweet at us at StruggleBusPod. Email us at StruggleBusPodcast at gmail.com if you have a question or if you'd like to join our secret Facebook group. Please make two separate emails for that uh, in the subject line to note that you would like to be in the Facebook group versus a question or else it'll get lost in the shuffle. Instagram.com slash the StruggleBusPod. Use the hashtag StrugglePodBuds420 to find a struggle buddy. StruggleBusPodcast.com. Tweet at Sally T. Tweet at me at SPK Heller. Uh, yeah, that was it, right? Yeah, you Great. nailed it. Good show. See you later. <laughs> Thank you for listening, everyone. <laughs> Catherine. Yes. We have a few things actually, to talk about. Oh, yeah. We go. do. Can I can I say this one thing real quick? I would love um, it if you did. We briefly talked about this last night. Uh, quick content note. We are going to talk about self-harm and suicide, and I'll put it in the program notes as well. If you are in crisis or having suicidal ideations, we are not going to read your email on the show because um, you should, I mean, how do I put this? We are not professionals. We are not equipped to handle someone in crisis. We care about all of our listeners so much, but if you are feeling that way, please, please seek help um, instead of writing in because it worries, you know, it's, it's, it's upsetting and we are not doctors. Yeah. I think like, you know, when we kind of like do the math on how much we can help versus um, how, uh, you know, triggering it might be for people to hear Mm -hmm. um, and how worrying it might be for our audience to hear us read an email from someone who sounds like they might be in danger. Um, The math just doesn't, isn't like on the side of us reading the email just because we, neither Catherine nor I is like, is equipped to really help in that situation. Um, And we feel like, I mean, sometimes I'm not even sure if reading an email from someone who sounds like they might be a danger to themselves if that's even like an appropriate thing to do for them you know um with like it's like to me it's an open question I just like do not have the training to do it and uh, piled on top of that that it's I think it's also upsetting for people to hear about someone who is in danger and not kind of know if they are okay mm. or if they ended up okay. Um, you know, I like we're, you know, which, which is not to say that like you shouldn't tell people in your life when you're going through something and you need help um, because people in your life are there to worry about you and wonder if you're okay and help you. Um, but it's, it's, it's like a, it's something that is very difficult for us to integrate into the podcast in a way that feels responsible both to the person who is writing into us and going through something and also to the audience that's, that's listening. And we, we want to do right by everyone. And so um, we urge you to, you know, if, if you want to write to us, because, you know, sometimes people write to us and they say like, oh, I just feel so much better having written this mm. out. You know, if, if you, if that's what you feel like you need to do, um, when you're going through something and you know that we're not going to read it on the air, um, and you know that 
we're not equipped to help you. Like we're not saying like, don't tell us what you're going through. Um, we're just saying that we're not going to like integrate it into the on air stuff, um, that we, you know, that we talk about on the podcast and that, you know, what's going to happen if you write to us and tell us, um, that you're thinking about harming yourself or you're having suicidal ideation is we're just going to not just, we're going to write back and send you some resources. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, tell you we're thinking of you and we care about you because we do. And that, that is always the case. Um, but we just, we want to make sure that this podcast is doing what it's meant to be doing for people who are on the struggle bus. And that unfortunately, you know, we're, we're, our thoughts and opinions do not equip us to help people out when they're potentially in crisis. So if you have the urge to write to us, please, please, please um, talk to someone who's in your life who can help you talk to your therapist. Um, if you don't have any of those people, please, you know, call call or text or chat a suicide hotline or a crisis hotline so you can get you can get help that can actually help you. Mm -hmm. Sally, that's that's what I wanted to say. You put it a lot better. <laughs> um, we care about you all so much. And um, yeah, just please take care of yourselves too. Yes. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, we do have a lot to jibber jabber about. We sure do. Because uh, Louis C.K. is a thing. <laughs> he is. He still is a thing on Forge. <sighs> well, uh, do you want to, you know, start or should I with this whole thing? Yeah. Well, you sent me, I'll just, I'll introduce this mm -hmm. lovely piece of journalism, which is in <laughs> current affairs. Org, and it is by Lyda Gold, mm -hmm. and it's called People Who Pretend, in quotation marks, to be shitty are frequently just shitty, which is definitely my favorite headline of the year. Yes, and it's what you were saying uh, the last episode, too. Yeah, I, I feel really good about that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this says it in, in a much deeper and more analytical way. Um but yeah, it it is a really, really good article that you sent me. Um, and it's just basically kind of contextualizing people like Louis C.K. and the art that he creates um, and what they're telling what, – what these dudes are telling us with their art. But I don't want to – like, what, like what, what did you think when you read it, Catherine? Okay. I, well, it, it spoke to me as well. And it was just about, you know, everyone likes to say – but this person's a genius, but I love their work. And it's like, you know, do you know how many other geniuses whose work is really valid and amazing who've been pushed off of comedy stages or shunned away from the comedy scene just for being a uh, female or person of color or something that, you know, how much talent is out there? A lot, it turns out. You know, I remember when the, I believe it was the um, New York Attorney General, Eric Schneiderman, is that the one that there was an allegation about sexual know. misconduct? I believe so. If I'm wrong, Sounds right, I will fix but I don't it. Know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't want to I, actually, I'm insert gonna, name can here. Do you mind Googling it real quick, actually? Or actually yeah, I not will. at all. I'll, I'll just do that right now, just to be sure I'm not speaking ill of somebody who is not uh, an alleged. Four women accused New York's Attorney General Eric Schneiderman. There we are. Okay. So he stepped down and everyone in a lot of communities, especially liberal communities, were like, but he's so good. We need him in there. And who took over? An amazing woman who immediately started prosecuting some actual crimes. So when you think about this quote unquote amazing talent, how many other amazing talents have been pushed out because of sexual harassment, predatory behavior, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so that's my first thought. Uh, mm -hmm. She goes on to just really talk about how when somebody is on stage and they're making these jokes about quote unquote bitches, well, they probably hate women. You know what I mean? So things like that, that everyone's like, but it's edgy. And you pulled a quote from this. Is this from the article? 
Sally? Yeah, I actually, I pulled that quote. Yeah, you can read that. And I have another one I want to read. The quote is, uh, comedians joke about everything except comedy. When it comes to their art, they employ a frigid joylessness that puts all caricatures of feminists to shame. I love that so much. Mm -hmm. And this article was full of those kinds of like dunks on on people who would call this kind of article like the PC police Mm -hmm. or SJWs. Mm -hmm. Um, It's it's so true like that if you challenge – the stand-up comedy community <laughs> about anything that they talk community yeah, on anything they talk about it's like censorship and comedy is the last art form and we're the only truth tellers <laughs> like kill me but um the, but but you know every if it, it, whatever i mean it, the, the quote says it really well like they're they're incredibly hypersensitive about the comedy they do but anyone else who's quote unquote sensitive about anything is you know is being a monster and is 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 a censor and an sjw did you have a second um, quote from the article yesterday? yeah i wanted to read this um so the author just like lists a few of like the well-known um woke male feminists who turned out to be creeps um you know then, one of them yeah and then says most of the men named above of course turned out to be sexual predators or at least creeps of varying degrees none of them are feminists and never were (laughs) they just became very adept at mimicking what it might sound like to be a male feminist it was a personal brand developed to fit a particular market niche and to satisfy a particular hunger for feminist diverse and inclusive art in which everybody can participate it's the men of course and often enough the white men who are more likely to be crowned kings of woke and granted tv shows and movies and well-paid comedy specials there's good money to be made in pretending to be a decent person if you know how to leverage it um i thought that was really yeah (laughs) catherine's clapping clapping. um just because uh yeah i mean this is just such a like a really beautiful distillation of i think like what is happening and one of the things that i've been I've thought about a lot throughout this whole like Me Too thing and also, you know, with our like relationship with Jamie Kilstein is that the way that fan bases, which I've talked about this before in the struggle bus as well, like just the way that fan bases attach themselves to artists um, and creators in this day and age. Kids today, Catherine. (laughs) But like (laughs) – I think, you know, because of podcasting, because of social media, we feel so close to the people that create things. And, you know, like it when I when I tweet, at, I mean, I rarely tweet at like people like celebrities or people I admire because I, I, I'm so self-conscious and I think it's really embarrassing when people try to like use Twitter to like connect the celebrities <laughs> and like they don't know you exist. However, you know, and Luke Perry like liked my tweet <gasps> or retweeted me or something. What? Yeah, exactly. Like this? I died. I like tweeted something about Riverdale and I didn't even like wait what tag when him. was this though no like a couple years ago oh wow um anyway the point is like and and he saw my tweet or tweet I can't remember if he liked to retweet it but I was like I like lit up inside and so like I I, I get that we want to like feel connected to the people who create things but and I see this in like groups that I'm part of like on fa- like in like different fan communities like the the line between like us and them gets so blurry where it's like we're all of a sudden like we're taking on like the things they say and the jokes they make and their attitudes and like some of that is like really good because some of these creators have like seem to have like really good 
um, values and seem to be like really into social justice and they seem to be really inclusive. And I think that that's really awesome. But then like when it goes to shit, you have to, as like a fan, kind of make a decision about who you stand with and who you don't stand with. And and I think that like I'm not I don't think that like we should all just like stop being fans of things. <laughs> but I think that like thinking about our relationship as fans to these other people that are creating things is is just is really important, you know, because what like what what happens when we become sort of mindless champions of people's like art or people's creations and and stop looking at them with like a critical eye. And I think that like that is what happens with people like Louis C.K. and Jamie Kilstein and Joss Whedon and Juno <laughs> Diaz, who are all mentioned in this article, is that like we we hear them saying, I'm a great guy. I'm one of the good ones. And, you know, my art would tell you otherwise, but I'm saying I'm one of the good ones. I'm saying that I'm edgy. I'm saying that I'm actually iconoclastic. And so then if we like lose the ability to like critique that, we just go with it. Mm. And and I don't know. I yeah, I I that that's all I got. That that's yeah. Yeah, well put. And uh, help, we could help go me out, on Catherine. all day about this, but one more quick thing. If your hot take from all this is that somebody should not have been recording him in a comedy club, I agree with you. But also, let's continue to have that conversation about what he did say. Um, you know, so there's a is lot. That, of- is that a thing? Like, oh. are people mad that people are like recording so, his sets or something? As we all know, I briefly dated a comedian. Maybe you didn't know this, but you knew this, Sally. Um, <laughs> and one, if somebody pulls out a phone when you're working out material for a TV show, um, that's not cool. And he would stop the show until they put the phone down. I agree with that. I think you shouldn't re- record for someone's work when they're workshopping it. You know, if someone were to film me on stage at the New Futures when I get naked in a play, I might be uncomfortable. You know what I mean? And yet I can also still say, but that's not the that's not the conversation we should be having right now. It is about what he yeah. said, which was awful, by the way. If you're unaware, I don't it was awful. Yeah. It was awful. Um, I don't I'm like trying to think about this, like I, you know, because I know that there is a lot as someone who grew up like as a fan of comedy mm-hmm. and considers herself like a fan of comedy and is now like just thinks the whole like comedy world is just like full of so many assholes. Um, there are there are like these parts of comedy orthodoxy that I'm now questioning. And like, you know, one of them is like, can't Woody Allen be really funny and be a terrible <laughs> person? You know, which we covered extensively <laughs> in the last show. But another one is that like I, it's just so hard for me to get upset about people um like like videoing a comedian sets. I, I guess that like I guess I understand when it's like someone who's like young and up and coming mm-hmm. and they're trying to like perfect their set for like their one for their big break. But like I I you know, if Louis CK gets videoed and like before one of his jokes is like all tight and amazing and he has like the little button or whatever, like I I just cannot give a shit. Oh, I would have recorded you know I mean? it, Sally. I would have. And uh, I think that it's good that it came out. But I, I was just saying more or less that if that's your big argument, that should not be the big argument for those who are out there. Like, you should never film someone. It's like, okay, you can say that. But let's continue to talk about what he said. Yeah, that's totally – I agree. I mean, that's like a completely ridiculous derailing oh, yeah. of the thing. Clearly. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I say to that. I wish we could make that the episode title somehow. Oh, my God. How do you spell yeah, that? Yeah, what is that? I don't what know. Is that? I don't know. Okay. Can we talk um, about – oh, what else did you want to discuss? Well, I was going to talk about this millennial burnout article. So tell me about this article, Sally. I got a quarter of the way through. I thought I was halfway through. I was a quarter of the way through, it turns out. 
Yeah, it's really long. And I totally punked you because I sent it to you, I would say, 18 minutes before we were going to start recording. <laughs> and it's like thousands of words. And I was like, I was thinking of talking about this. Um, so I actually read it last night, although it's been out for – about a week. I would tell you exactly because my computer seems to be frozen. But it's called uh, How Millennials Became the Burnout Generation. And it's by Anne Helen Peterson, who's a BuzzFeed News reporter. Oh, it came out on January 5th, so four days ago. And um, people were freaking out about it. Um, I, I, I'm pretty sure it went pretty vi. I saw it all <laughs> over Twitter. People were like tweeting. And I was like, okay, like I, I have a feeling based on like who's sharing this and what they're quoting from it. I have a feeling that this isn't going to speak to me. So I just like didn't read it because I was like, you know, I don't need to read something that I already know I'm not going to like. But then people were still really going to town. And I was like, let me check this out. And I have to tell you that I have not not related to something that so many of my peers think really speaks to them in so, so, so long. Um. Basically, the story I th I personally think is like a personal essay about how Anne Helen Peterson feels <laughs> about her life and how hard it is to like get tasks done and how she's feeling burnt out and, and overworked. But it, it's kind of um, it's it's packaged as like a trend piece. And it's like this is what's a trend you know, piece? A trend piece, just basically like a story that's like trying to establish the fact that there's a trend. Oh, okay. But like all of the evidence she uses is basically like it's it's either from her life or it's anecdotal from a, the lives of a couple of people around her. And not I don't think that anecdotal evidence is like not real evidence. I just think that it, it's it's difficult to say this is a, a trend um, when you're sh when you're showing a trend among like a few people who, you know, and Helen Peterson is is a white middle class person with an advanced you know, like a PhD mm -hmm. and she's in media. Um, she lives in the Midwest or in the West. I can't remember. I think she moved to Wyoming mm -hmm. or I'm terrible because I don't remember which state she moved to. She used to live in New York. Um, Seattle was And it? like, no, she moved to like, I, like Montana mm -hmm. or something. I've now said three different states, <laughs> but I think she's like, <laughs> so I guess now we know which one of us is a coastal liberal elite this guy but um <laughs> but anyway like I, I and and you know I I there I, I think that like burnout is what happens when you live in capitalism and heteropatriarchy and white supremacy like you know not like <laughs> what happens when you were born between 1981 and 1996 That's a good point. um and she also like, I think she poo-poos a lot of things like such as like meditation and journaling that are things that like really do actually help people. Um, and I, and you know, she, she does make a critique of like the commodification of self-care, which I think is an important argument. And I think it's been made a lot and it's like a good one to pay attention to, but it, I think it kind of throws the baby out with the bathwater, which is actually a terrible saying that I'm realizing now, but like, from? I don't know Who whoever thought of it, <laughs> someone check on their baby. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, like I, it, it's, and, and like, and she makes this argument that like she can't really go off Twitter and millennials can't really not be on social media, which I just – I don't really think is the case. And I think as a media person, maybe that's the case for her. But anyway, I, like my my main beef with this – there's – I have two, two – my beefs are twofold, Catherine. One <laughs> you have two beefs is that – give. Two beefs to give. <laughs> the first one is that it's a personal essay masquerading as a trend piece. And – 
I feel like that relates to my second beef, (laughs) which is if you're going to write about burnout and not talk about the exploitation of people who are far more marginalized than you, because I think that if, if you're in the position that I'm making a lot of assumptions about Anne Helen Peterson. I haven't like looked at her bank account. I haven't talked to her about her childhood. <laughs> I, I barely, I've never actually spoken to her in real life. Um, but if if you're having a rough go of it, you're just like, you're the collateral damage because the people who are having a much rougher go of it because the system, our systems are built to make certain people and certain communities have a very, very, very rough go of it. Um, you're just sort of like, and it's it's like accidental that things are hard for you and things are hard for you in a way that is like um like pretty pg and i'm not here to say that like it that like anxiety is no big deal or like having a hard time like quote unquote adulting is no big deal like I, these are things that like people struggle with mm-hmm. and people have our time with and i i understand what it means to be anxious and have anxiety prevent you from feeling like you can get things done which is a lot of what i think this is about but to to put that out there and not also put out there the burnout that is far worse for people who are in a much worse position than you because of like all of our systemic injustice just seems like such a missed a missed opportunity and also just like a a really weird decision mm. to me to like write and to publish this piece. That's all I got, Catherine. That was a lot. And uh, I will counter this as someone who read one quarter of the article. I will say (laughs) I really did like some of the arguments that were brought forward about in general, the way we were raised. Now, I'm actually not a millennial, contrary to what some men call me on Twitter. (laughs) Um, I am actually a Gen Xer, apparently. Um, But this this sentence really spoke to me. Our parents, a mix of young boomers and old Gen Xers, reared us during an age of relative economic and political stability. Is that totally true? Not entirely. However, we were raised to think that if you go to college, then this happens. We do live in a different work culture that is ever-changing. And I do understand that economically, um, we were not prepared for this. We were told this one thing. You get a job, you get health insurance, you're good, you're safe, all these things. Now, it's not uncommon to stay at a job for one year. Um, We do live in this quote-unquote gig culture that does take advantage of young people, I believe. So I think that's another uh, conversation entirely, but I'll, I'll tell you what I really think after I'm done with this. But you, <laughs> okay, fair you enough. brought up some excellent points, and I, I think that's no. very important. Yeah, and I think that you're. I think you're right too. I mean, like she does, she does state some facts. Like I and I, she stumbles across some like truths, you know, as she's like, as she's, <laughs> and I, I think that what you said is right, and I think that's an interesting point. Um, and I think she says a lot of things in here that like. And she does, she links to previous pieces. Like she is not putting forth a lot of these arguments as though like she's just come up with them. I think she's aware that she's writing like one in a series of, of this kind of story. Um, But yeah, so I, I, I don't want to like, I I don't think that there's like nothing to be found of value in this story, but I think (laughs) there's very little to be found. Um, And I, I did I, – I also read – I'm sure that there's like a thousand takedowns of this, um, but I read one in Slate called Burnout Isn't Just a Millennial Affliction mm-hmm. by Shannon Palace, and that's really that, – that was good. I'm not – I actually don't want to say it was really good because I read it once last night late. So <laughs> – but I, I – I, so I don't want to throw my full weight behind it, but I thought it was – I'm just saying I thought it was good. Okay. Yeah. So that's where I'm at with that 
story, Catherine. We will continue to talk about it extensively when I finish it in 10 years. Perfect. <laughs> well, um, we'll talk about it on our 300th episode. Well, let's get to our own personal jibber-jabber. Sally, you had quite an event happen. Would you like to tell the uh, listeners or should I go first? Um, I'll go because you kind of gave me like a really good intro. Nice. So I'll just talk about it. It's not that interesting. Um, <laughs> guys, I got a migraine and I don't get migraines that often. There are people who get them way more often than I do. But every time I get one, it is a horrible event in my life because it is, um, I would say, the most pain I've ever been in. And that includes recovering from my appendectomy, which was incredibly painful. Mm. I'm trying to think of other pain I've been in. I've never given birth. I'd remember that. Um, I feel like that's (laughs) – I feel like giving birth and, like, getting shot in the gut are, like, the things that – oh, maybe, like, getting shot in the kneecap. Like, those are the things that are, like – right? Like, they're, like, the storied most painful things you can experience. Anyway, migraines are terrible. And um, what happens is to me is that I get this blinding light in in one eye. It's called an aura. And it was really funny, Catherine, because we had been texting on Saturday morning. I was having a great morning. I don't remember what we were texting about, but it was Something just terrible, a, probably, or a cute. delight. Yeah. yeah. Either terrible or cute. Those are our two things. Mm-hmm. And I was fine. I was like, I'm going to get some stuff done. I'm feeling great. I was like, I'm going to go buy some groceries. And I worked out and I got in the shower. I got in the car. I'm driving. I'm at the gas station on my way to Trader Joe's. And, and I realized that like I can't like my field division is like halved oh, no. and I'm like uh-oh am I getting an aura <gasps> is this a migraine and I was like that's not great because um you know you can't see that well so it's not great to like be in a position where you have to like drive so I went I always carry my migraine medication on me so I went to the gas station and I bought a bottle of water and I took my migraine meds and I drove straight home I, t- I took one of my migraine meds but I carry them in this little box that has a lot of pills and actually I couldn't fucking see the pills because of my aura Oh no And so I like I I was I was like okay I'm going to take a picture of the pills and I'm going to send them to Catherine and I'm going to ask Catherine to identify my pills because you know how you can what the p- pills all say things on them and, and you, you can google, google it. Mm-hmm. yeah I was like, that's what I'm going to do because I couldn't read it and I Googled like five different things that I thought it said because I couldn't make out one of the characters. But you didn't like, you didn't do that text to me. I would I know, but that, that job. Okay, but here's what happened. So I was like, fuck, I can't figure it out. I'm going to take a picture and send it to Catherine. The fucking – the pills are really small and they're white. And so every time I took a picture, the glare was making it so that you couldn't see the writing. Oh, no. So my phone has like 10 pictures of like a single <laughs> pill. Um, and I was like, okay, I'm like 85% sure this is my migraine medication. I'm just going to fucking take it and like hope for the best. So after the aura, the aura lasts for like 25 minutes and then the pain sets in and just content note, if you don't like hearing about things that happen to your body and things that come out of your body, cause I'm going to go there, um, just quickly, I cannot describe to you, like I, I was telling Andre the next day that it felt like I had to throw up, but like out of the top of my head. Like, I just don't know. Wow. So that's happening. Plus there's a pain that is like someone has an ice pick inside your head. It's like, I, it's so brutal, Catherine. I, I can't. And then after that happens, 
you're so sensitive to like light and sound and t- like all of your senses are just like when I had a concussion I had that experience it was wild the sensitivity yeah. it's wild it's right wild you're, yeah you hear your brain like working over time and you yeah. can hear things louder and light stronger and there was a, a laser light show going on yeah yes you're like a bat like you can hear <laughs> people like you can hear like a cat walking across the street yep um anyway and then after that you know, you just, I just feel like my body's been through like a a wood chipper. And like the next day I'm like blurry and I can't concentrate. And I kind of feel like I have to throw up and my head kind of hurts a little bit. And it's, and I get, I get sad. It's just like a mess. So the point is we were actually, we had big plans on Sunday morning. We were going to record, we're going to have a meeting. Didn't happen. And last thing I'm going to say, this migraine has been brewing since like last Wednesday. Um, when I had like, I had like a really bad headache and then I took a day off. Anyway, the point is it was terrible. And every time I get a migraine, I feel like I need like weeks to process just like having gone through the experience. That's it. That's awful. That sounds terrible. I'm so sorry. I know you get (laughs) migraines and, um, I don't know much about them, but that just sounds brutal. I'm glad you're okay. Thank you. I appreciate it. Catherine, enough about my brain. Let's talk about your jibber-jabber, which looks very interesting. Okay, so I'm going to talk about You're in Town, the musical, again. So now that I've met the writer who, uh, you know, I know them now, and I'm going to be doing um, a sort of piece at his wife's show in April. She has a salon that she does monthly. It's amazing. Uh, So I've been listening back to the soundtrack, and I will say again that this musical is all about, you know, capitalism, and um, it's, it's a metaphor, and it's a very dark hilariously dark musical but it it goes places but I forgot that it opened up in 2001 on Broadway right after 9-11 and it still speaks to the um what we're going through now in the world so if you've not Mm -hmm. listened to You're in Town the musical you should listen to it (laughs) it's outstanding and again there's a character called Little Sally so I always think of you uh, yep, <laughs> Sally's doing little, nice. Little, uh, what, is it, what is this called? The uh, I don't know. It's a uh, dance move that people do on Broadway. The heyo. Yeah, it's know. like the heyo. Yeah. I wish. Um, I guess I shouldn't respond to you uh, visually since this is a an auditory <laughs> medium. <laughs> Probably isn't great for our audience. I had to, know to let that people I, know what you were doing. Yeah, thank you. I need to. We need to take a picture for. Maybe I'll ask Andrea to take a picture of me doing this, and we can like Instagram it and ask people what it's. Well, called. I have it on video. I can make a gif. <laughs> But anyway, I'll just I'll just leave it at that. Um, you're in yes, town. The musical okay. is everything. Sally, should we talk about a thing we did for self care? Uh, yeah, I took a bunch of days off work. I mean, I took two days off. I took two and a half days off work mm-hmm. because one day I was getting a headache. The next day, I felt like I was fighting off a migraine, and then the migraine came, and then it was Monday, and I took Monday off. So I just I feel like. I had the roughest start to 2019, real rough landing into 2019. Um, so yeah, I just took time off work and I, I, you know, it's so hard for me to take time off work without feeling guilty or like I have to justify it. And I know that this is millennial burnout. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> this is like, this is like, I think an affliction that again is caused by capitalism, um, which I won't go into because I've already talked a lot, but like I had to do it. It's like, what am I going to do? Not call out of work and sit there in pain and confused and disoriented looking at the screen like Mm -hmm. (laughs) like a single tear just like no come on it's ridiculous Mm -hmm. I took time off work everyone if you can I know that everyone can it's a luxury it's a privilege which is fucking ridiculous but if you can take time off work I will write you a note I will say that you are unable to work for 
Whatever reason you want. You just tell me and I'll fill it in. Yeah. And speaking Catherine, of, what about you? Speaking of luxury and privileges, um, I went to the doctor because it turns out I need to be on a blood pressure medication because I have high blood pressure. And it just kept going on up. So um, my primary care physician doesn't take my current health insurance, but she and I've been together. We've been together for 15 years. She knows me. She also believes that capitalism is horseshit. So she gives me sliding scales. So I still go to her, um, even though I could go to another one. Again, I have health insurance. Not everyone does. But um we talk a lot about self-care and it could involve taking a bath or like stretching and all these things. And people kind of poo-poo like the taking a bath thing, like self-care is not just being luxurious. I believe that it can be. However, also self-care is going to doctors and actually taking care of yourself. Because if I didn't nip this in the bud when it happened, it would be a lot worse and I might not even mm -hmm. be here. And I know that sounds dramatic, but the truth is you have to just, if you can, get yourself checked out every now and again. You know, it's something that is so basic and so we should all have access to healthcare. But if you can get your annual physical, you never know what you're going to find. Definitely. Yeah. And like, I think, Catherine, you're really good at like when something feels like it's not right, you get it the fuck checked out, mm -hmm. which I'm really glad that you do. Because um, I'm always I, right. I've never, quote unquote, over stated yeah. something, you know, we've we've talked about this. We know that you're we know that you're basically clairvoyant. I kind of am. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, yeah, it, it's tough. I mean, when when things happen, it's like, uh, maybe if I just don't get it checked out, it won't be real. Yeah. But um, get it checked out if you can, please. Mm -hmm. Yes. So that's that's that. Shall we get to okay. our email? My goodness. Let's do I it. I feel like I'm rushing through the episode, but I know you have a hard out soon. I don't want people to I think, have a hard out, but we have time. Cool. I feel like we have time. Um, did you want to add anything Sorry, else? I was just drinking some water and there was a huge okay. pause. <laughs> okay. So this person needs a name. I've been watching a lot of movies because it's Tell the me. SAG Awards season. Oh, um, that's right. Mm -hmm. yes. That reminds me. Yes. Yes. Uh, so right now it's just movies I'm watching. I'm trying to think of a name from a movie I saw. I always forget names in movies. That's my thing. What have you watched recently? I can Google something. Oh, uh, Black Klansman, which is amazing. Um, Adam Driver is in it. Do you want to just call this person Driver? <laughs> That is amazing. Also, I'm, I'm looking at the DVD right now. So, speaking that's why of, I thought of Adam Driver, Adam Driver, first of all, Driver is like a dope name, isn't it? Um, yeah, it's really good. Um, one of my former coworkers at BuzzFeed, whose name is Sylvia Obell, tweeted, I think this might have been like when the Golden Globes were happening. <laughs> she tweeted, Adam Driver is my most confusing crush. And that is like probably the best tweet What's the, of the decade. The Keanu Reeves one, though. What's that one? What's that? The Keanu Reeves one that you sent me where Adam Driver looks like that's the oh, tweet of the decade. That is amazing. Do you what was that tweet? It was Adam Driver looks I think it's sorry. Adam Driver looks like what <laughs> if you try to draw <laughs> Keanu Reeves from memory. Was that it? That you, yeah, I think that if was you try it. to draw oh, Keanu shit. Reeves from memory. I, I want to give that person credit at some point. Do you have that tweet? I do too. I'll try to find it. Okay. Um, I will read this email while you try to find that. Okay. Unless yeah. you well, you already read the email, obviously. Adam Driver. Oh, it's a Reddit. Oh, it's so it's originally like a Reddit thread, it or maybe that's Well, I don't know if if Twitter, if the person who tweeted it stole this from Reddit or the Redditor stole it from Twitter. The point is, it's a great tweet, and maybe I'll try to find out who said it. Yes, Catherine. Yes. <laughs> Back to our email from Driver. <laughs> okay. Uh, any content notes? No, we're good. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't think so. All right. Do you want me to read this? Please do. Okay. Um. Okay. 
there's some stuff in the beginning that's very sweet that we're not going to read because we get, oh shucks, you know? So I'll just yeah. start from, yeah. We get, we get all, we blush. We blush. Okay. And when we blush, it interferes with our recording levels yes. because our mics pick up our blushing. Our blushing. <laughs> so this is from Driver. Driver says, I've been contemplating this for a while and trying to think of how to word things and such. I also thought this was going to fizzle out, but apparently it isn't. My brother started dating this girl. She's his first girlfriend and ex-girlfriend and girlfriend again and ex, and now they're quote-unquote just friends, according to him, and they're dating again, according to her. Guess their communication skills need some work, but that's not my issue. So, this girl dates him for a week, dumps him because she isn't quote-unquote over her ex, dates his friend, dumps his friend, comes crying back to my brother. They get back together, and then a week later, she dumps him again, saying, quote, she isn't ready for a relationship, unquote. This is all while she's telling her family her whole life story, half of which seems very fabricated, and some details seem to always change. So, before he even started dating her, we told him to watch himself and tread carefully and not rush things. Needless to say, he rushed things. Every time she dumps him, my brother talks to me about it and how he's upset, tells my mom and I that we were right and he should have listened to us about taking it slow and that he's going to take some time to himself but then a week later they're back at the relationship again she has now tried to convince my brother that our mother is terrible to him and that she mistreats him it's more like our mom babies the crap out of him this is something I've talked to my therapist about because I had all the responsibilities while he had none. The most I've seen her mistreat him, quote unquote, is when he lied to her about who he was out with. And she looked on Snapchat. My mom's a cool mom and Snapchats. She saw a snap of him and her together. So she texted him and called him out. So right now. They seem to be back together, for now at least. I'm so sick of her playing my brother and seeing his heartbreak every time she breaks up with him, and I've given him all the advice I can about her. My boyfriend has tried talking to him, and my boyfriend's friends have tried as well. My, my brother plays video games online with my boyfriend and his friends. They've gotten close. I'm at a loss of what to do. Part of me wants to tell her off and tell her to stop fucking with my brother's head, heart, and feelings, and to make up her fucking mind about whether she wants to date him or not. The problem is I don't want to lose the close relationship that my brother and I have, and I'm afraid saying something to her will ruin that. I also don't want to be fake nice to her, and I have a feeling she's going to be around for the holidays, so we're going to have to share the same space for a few hours. So, what's the best way to deal with the situation? Sorry for such a long email. I didn't think it would be this long. I've talked to my boyfriend about it, and I think he's just as sick of the situation as I am, so I've been bottling it all up. I've made what I think is most important in bold, so you want to skip some of the details. Nope, we did not skip the details. Um, so thanks again for having an awesome show. Driver, real quick, if I was sort of laughing a little bit at the beginning of the letter, I'm not laughing at the situation. I love the way this letter's written. So that's sort of why I was amused by the writing. But this is a serious topic. So thank you, Driver. Sally, yeah. go for it. Okay. Well, um, this it's is tough, right? Yeah, this is tough. I mean, this is the, the age-old question of what do you do when someone you care about is dating someone that either you don't like or who isn't good for them. Um, and I think that, or I guess who you think is don't, who you think is not good for them. I think that like there's kind of a bright line where if you feel like someone is being like abused in some way, um, it's like always a totally, as far as I'm concerned, a totally cool and good thing to do to say to them, Hey, like I am worried about you. I think you're being mistreated. But when it's someone, when the, when the mistreatment is like not abuse or maybe is like kind of on the line and you're not really sure, I think it's it's harder to know what to do because then you're sort of in the territory of like, do I just like not like this person and 
and is that enough of a reason to interfere in someone's relationship or or like do I think the way that these two people are handling their relationship is like totally ridiculous and uh counterproductive is that enough of a reason to interfere like I have to say like I I don't really know what is to be done in the situation other than you know having a courageous conversation with your brother and saying you know the these are my observations about what's going on and I'm worried about you and I feel like you're going to get hurt and then kind of letting him make his own decisions. I think also, you know, I'm I'm like when I hear something like third hand about how a woman is like, you know, manipulating various men and very and like and then like that man's friends and dating someone and dumping them and like I without like firsthand knowledge of the situation, I I I my my ref- my kind of reflexive reaction is to worry that this woman is like not getting a fair shake and is being like unfairly painted as like some sort of uh wily like someone who's using her like her sexuality to like trap men mm-hmm. um and so like i like a little bit worried um when i hear the descriptions of like what you're saying she's done to your brother and to these other men um, because I'm not clear on like how you have so much firsthand knowledge and how and if it's like definitely factual and stuff like that. So like that's like just something that I'm just going to I want to be honest about that like I'm thinking about as I read this. Um, and I just I'm just like not sure like that this is this is territory that you or your mom should really be involved in. Mm. Catherine, what are your thoughts? Yeah, um, I like what you said, especially about the way women are talked about. That being said, someone could be a terrible person. That's that's a fact there, too, you know. For sure. But um, thanks for saying that. I agree with everything. I will say I also – the reason I wanted to read this is because I had no idea what to say, and I've been thinking about this for a few days, this letter, because yeah. um, it is such a tough territory. But I think uh, the more I've been thinking about this, having the time when I was dating somebody off and on who, in hindsight, was not treating me very well, my friends did sit me down. And then and I would get back together with him and they were very patient with me, but they said their piece. They had said their piece and they were like, well, we don't approve of this. He should not be doing this, et cetera, et cetera. But they were still my friends. But I knew what they said. I had to still learn it for myself. And when I did get out of the relationship, they were there for me. But um, it must have taken a lot of uh, restraint on their part in hindsight. I think about that a lot. And um, I realize now they probably were like, well, I've said what I can say and there's really not much I can do. Um, so I just, I think that's important to note that he has to learn for himself, you know, and this is a great quote. And I think about this often, you're in the relationship you want to be in. So for whatever reason, he's in the relationship that he wants to be in. This is who he wants to be with. Um, and he's choosing this and she's Mm -hmm. not forcing him, you know, so you've said your piece. I think that it, so long as he knows how you feel, I don't think there's much you can do. And Sally, you brought up the great point of at what point, like if someone's being abused, like, yes, I have had interventions with friends who are being emotionally abused or, you know, things like that. And yet, when do you when do you jump in and when do you not? And I think you've already made it very clear that you just have concerns. But unfortunately, you're not going to make decisions for him. Having said all of that real quick, do you have to hang out with her? Hell no. No, absolutely not. Um, you do not have to do anything you don't want to do. 
But it's awkward. Like, hey, let's say they get married and she's going to be coming to the holidays every year. Well, that's something you'll have to navigate in the future. But and sorry, we missed this before the holidays. I hope you got through them okay. But for right now, I mean, you know, unless she's doing something directly to you, uh, I would say just avoid hanging out with this person. Um, Yeah, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I know. I mean, I agree. I think um, one thing that Driver said is part of me wants to tell her off and tell her stuff fucking with her brother's head, heart and feelings, make up her fucking mind. And, you know, I I don't think that you should do that. I, I, I mean, I think if someone without my consent, you know, told off my partner, mm-hmm. I – I would not – I would be unhappy that they were interfering. Um, again, like I think if you feel like someone is in like some kind of danger, either psychologically or physically, then sure, inter- interfere. But um, I just – I don't know. I think like also I, like another way potentially to deal with your frustration about this, like I, I think that sometimes like when we get really frustrated with someone or a situation, our – our understandable response is to be like, what do I say to this person or how do I like change my relationship with this person to solve this problem or make it clear to them that I have a problem? And I think that sometimes what you have to do to feel better about a situation or a person or a situation with a person is actually to deal with it in yourself because there are a lot of times Uh, when – you know, you can't, th- there's, there's no more to be done. Um, and it's like, it's kind of about like, what is this bringing up for you? Like, I feel like this is objectively a really frustrating situation. And I think it's relatable. Like I've been in situations where people I've loved have dated people that I thought were hurting them and that I didn't like. Um, and I, so like, I just want to say like right there, I think this is objectively a frustrating situation, but also like, you know, you used really strong language. You said, I want to tell her to stop fucking with my brother's head, heart, and feelings and make up her fucking mind. Um, and so I would want to know, like, you know, I, w- I would like – I guess if I were you, I would want to know, like, what is it that is making this kind of anger or these feelings come up for me about this? Uh, yeah. um, can, can it only be explained by just the simple fact of this woman's presence in your brother's life or is it that plus maybe there's other stuff going on you did you did allude to some like tension you have about like your brother being babied and you not be like you know I just I think that there's there's other stuff probably going on which is not to say like you don't really know what's going on there's more stuff going like there's always more stuff going on like (laughs) I I feel like other than when you like stub your toe and you're like, and it hurts. <laughs> Besides like that situation, I feel like in every time like we feel a thing, there's more going on than just the thing we're reacting to because that thing is bringing up other feelings in us. And I think that your solution here is probably not – I or I should say like the solution that feels like satisfying and useful I think is probably not going to involve – your brother and his girlfriend, or or at least will like only like maybe tangentially involve them, and and it sounds like kind of you've already done what you can do, which is like to tell him how you feel. Um, I I think I think like the thing that's going to feel best and is going to make you feel better is is going to be to think about what you know how this is affecting you and what it's bringing up for you. Sally, ding dang it, you really hit the nail on the head there and brought up a great well, point. <laughs> um, I. 
I will also say, and this is not necessarily what you are doing, but when I get way too invested in somebody's partner I don't like, and that's happened many times, um, I do have to take a step back and be like, what am why am I so worked up about this? This is not my boyfriend or this is not my husband. What is it in me? Am I distracting from something else in my relationship? Am I distracting from my own world? Am I mad at a family member if they're dating somebody um, who is not right for them? Am I actually mad at them, but I'm too scared to get mad at them? You know what I mean? This is your brother. You say how close you are, but I wonder if you're also a little bit upset with him. Um, I don't know. And I'm not saying all of this is reflective of what is actually happening, but in my experience, it's good to sort of take a step back and say, okay, why am I so annoyed by this? Um, yeah. 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 And I think also, you know, when someone, I think like another very relatable aspect of this email is someone coming to you repeatedly with the same problem that they're not really taking any new steps to fix. And I think that that is one of the most challenging parts of being in a friendship with someone or being close with like a relative or or whatever, which is just that like, you kind of at a certain point are like, look, dude, like, You've come to the last like five times this has happened. You've done the same thing. You've had the same reaction every five times. You've been really upset about it. I've given you all these like suggestions. I've listened to you. I've and you're not you're not taking my advice or you're you know, you're not changing anything about what you're doing. I like from now on, like, you know, until you try a new solution, I'm going to say like. I'm not going to talk about this with you. Like that's kind of a tough love approach. But like I definitely have gotten to that point with people where I'm sort of like, look, like I just want to pull back and acknowledge that we've had a version of this conversation many times. And I am I really feel like I'm at a loss to help you. And I'm also so- starting to feel a little bit like used as like a sounding board or as like a receptacle for your feelings. And I want to challenge you to think about what choices you can make that would be different. Like, you know, like mm-hmm. I, I kind of think that's like all you can do in this kind of a situation. Yeah. And I'm just laughing because I remember a time that we did sort of have an intervention with a friend, but we also did something that actually worked out for everyone. There we there was a man that liked her that maybe she didn't know liked her and he was a wonderful person. He is now her husband because we kind of nudged them together. We were like kind of pushed them to hang out together and it turns out they actually really connected. And I'm not saying that uh you know, we saved her life by her leaving this other guy for this really amazing person that we introduced her to. But I'm not not saying that. <laughs> Hashtag not all heroes wear capes. Um, so I'm not saying bring in a ringer. But, you know, if you happen to find somebody who might like your brother, yeah, bring her around maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Bring in a ringer. I love it. Uh, bring in a ringer. But uh, yeah, no, we wouldn't force a relationship, obviously. But they it just turned out magically they really got on well. And she came to me and she's like, I think I really like him. And I was like, we love him. <laughs> and uh, they're married now. That's incredible. I always wonder yeah. how people who are good at matchmaking like know that something's going to work out. Because I, I feel like other than really superficial things, like they're both really outdoorsy. Like I have no idea how to tell if people would be good together. Oh, I'm terrible at matchmaking. It was actually someone else who found the guy. I just helped nudge them oh, nice. together once they, yeah. Like I'd be like, oh, you sit here in the car, you know, things uh, like that. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> I, I definitely yeah. feel like it's like a really good, it probably, probably has been the plot of like a sitcom, like a Saved by the Bell episode of like, oh my God, just, yes. we'll just bring in a ringer. Always. Zach, Zach Morris would do that for sure. Classic Zach. Classic Zach. <laughs> um, so oh, do you have Zach anything Morris. else to say? I think that's it. You've got to go soon, but you also have the song of the week. Uh, Driver, hey, listen, keep us posted. Uh, go easy on yourself and just remember to take care of you too. Yeah, yeah. And and Driver, like, I think 
let me just close by saying like I don't want to minimize how like difficult or frustrating it can be when someone you care about is with someone who you think is like and anything like from like not like as cool or as funny as the person you love to like a garbage person that's really hard and I think that I think that all you can do is kind of do everything you've done and also just like wait it out and let this person make their own decisions. I think, you know, unfortunately we wait things out and then they like, they get married. (laughs) But like, so that's like not a great (laughs) outcome obviously. But like, as Catherine mentioned a little bit earlier in the show, you can't, you can't like make someone learn a lesson for themselves. And like, actually when you were reading, Catherine, when you were reading, I was like, I was about to interrupt and then I decided not to because it, it's not about me. It's about driver. But the 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 line was, um, she's his first girlfriend, ex girlfriend, girlfriend again, and ex again, and other just friends, according to him, and dating according to her. I was like about to be like, been there, because <laughs> that. I mean, who who amongst us? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I ask you, Catherine. Oh my. Let she who has not uh, dated someone, broken up with them, dated them again, broken up with them, become friends with them again, but also maybe it was more than friends with them, cast the first stone. You know and what I mean? a baby with some bathwater in there. And, yeah. Uh, Babies, bathwater. The, the whole two, nine. Two in the bush. Yeah. So. Don't look a gift horse in the bridge. Absolutely. That's good. That was really good. So yeah, I mean like, uh, I, I think this is like a highly like not uncommon situation. And I don't think you mentioned how like the ages of your, how like how old your brother is and how old the girlfriend is. And I'm not saying, I mean, of course this happens to people who are like <laughs> over the hill, like Catherine and I, but, um, but I also Gen think X. that, yeah, I also think that, um, I also think it's like very, very common to happen. Uh, this is the kind of thing I think also when people are like early in their dating life and you said that it's like his, your brother's first relationship and et cetera, et cetera. So I, you know, I think that when you're in something, it feels like it's never ending and you're like, oh, they've been together for an eternity and I hate it. But like when they're not together, like a year or two from now, you're going to look back and this is going to be like a blip on the radar. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. yeah. Well, listen, uh, you have the song of the week. I'm going to. I do. I do. Catherine, here's the problem. Yes. I don't have a song of the week. What? Well, so- I'm going to read the outro and you're going to pick <laughs> a ding song. Okay. Yes. Listen, do you have any thoughts on Sally not doing her homework? No, it's okay. You do a lot for the show what? and you get a migraine. No, uh, but I officially didn't do my homework. And I, you've, that's that's true. You, you're there right. There have been several times I did not have the song of the week until last minute. And Fair it enough. turned out to be brilliant. So as you go through your iTunes folder, you can tweet at us at StrugglebusPod, email us at StrugglebusPodcast at gmail.com, Instagram.com slash TheStrugglebusPod. Use the hashtag StrugglePodBuds420 to find a struggle buddy. Tweet at Sally T. Tweet at me at SPK Heller. Um, yes. Do we have time or do you want me to pick this one? No, I got it. I got it. Um, <gasps> it's going to be brilliant, I know. Yeah, it's going to be brilliant. And it is... Um, I got it, Catherine. Go on. So maybe you've heard of the band First Aid Kit. Yes, I have. Okay. So this song is called... <laughs> wow. What what could it... Po- I, I'm, I'm so excited. I'm, <laughs> I'm really teasing it. Okay. This song is called My Silver Lining. Oh, I do know the song. You do? Yeah. Can you talk about it? I mean, I forget what it sounds like, but I know it's in my iTunes thing, too. 
Okay, look, I'm not going to lie. I just Googled a song, I mean a band, and their songs came up on Google. And uh, <laughs> that's how I chose the song of the week. Oh, and you did not even know this song? I uh, No, I don't. This is outstanding. I am very excited by so, this. This is the first time in Struggle Bus history that we just did that with the song of the week. Yeah, I I never – I sometimes start an episode not knowing what song I'm going to choose, but I never get this far into an episode without knowing. Impressive. Um, and so you just googled a song. I googled. Well, I googled first aid kit song because wow. I know they're a band. Wow. And I I, I have a friend who has mentioned them on more than one occasion, and and so I know they're a fan and likes them. And so I was like, let me choose them. So wow. my silver lining. Wow, I'm so excited to hear this. I'm actually pulling it up on YouTube. I can't wait to remember if I like this song or not. I, think I, I can't do. wait to find out if I like this song. <laughs> So, uh, hey, thank you so much for listening. Uh, hold on. <clears throat> thank you so much for listening. I'm Kate. I'm Sally. Bye. Bye. I don't want to wait anymore. I'm tired of looking for answers. Take me someplace where there's music and there's laughter. I don't know if I'm scared of dying, but I'm scared of living too fast, too slow. Regret.